What's up, guys? Four Corners back with another episode. As always, I am your host, Ray. You can find me online at Rayvon Hackshaw, joined by my co-host, Peter, Bugginson's 88, you know, doing a late show. What's going on? What's up, Ray? Uh, made it through Mardi Gras week, so Mardi Gras is over. And, uh, I feel like it's just residually affecting you right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, but I we it coincided with All-Star break, so, you know, got some good rest, you know, got to rest my eyes from uh, some, some NBA basketball and, you know, watch basketball for a while. Did you have any beignets this week? I did not. Uh, 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 Dow, I don't know if you knew, we had a conversation about like beignets versus donuts versus I love churros. I'll, I'll, I'll choose beignets any day of the week. I love New Orleans. I've been there like 10 times. Okay. Uh, are, are, you're, you're, you're coming up in the world yeah, as far as there's on the show. See, so. I pick good guests, Ray. <laughs> New Orleans is my city. It's my favorite city in America. Besides- the food is some of the best I've had in the country. Absolutely. Oh. That's undeniable. People, very friendly, very welcoming. In my I've had some great times. Yeah. Um, so, Dow, um, you can find him online at Nilotich Valor. I'll definitely include that in the show notes as well if you want to find him on the Twitters. Definitely give him a, give him a follow. Uh, Dow, tell us a little about yourself. How did you get um, – how did you become an NBA fan? How did you become a Nuggets fan? All that good yeah. stuff. No, perfect. So I became, I became an NBA fan when I moved to Colorado. Uh, my family uh, moved out here in 2005, so – um, so first time when I came here, it was just, just around the time when the playoffs were starting. So we moved here, like, it was like late during the season. It was like March when my family moved here. And so okay. the starting and back then it used to be public television. So when the playoffs were starting, the nuggets were on TV because it was public television. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah that when you used to have the antenna when where it was public television. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Playoffs and that in 05 and Carmelo. Marcus Camby, uh, it was just that was the season we traded for AI too, right there. So AI, just yeah, very optimistic time for the Nuggets. Yeah, and so I didn't know much about, it, but I was like, man, they're pretty cool because the Nuggets just played that fast tempo, and for me that was so exciting. And I love those throwback light blue jerseys. Those those are my favorite Nuggets jersey of all time. I don't care what anybody says. It's funny. It's they're not the like Colorado colors or anything in the way that the current color scheme is now. But I too feel like the the powder blues are the most nugget jersey in, so, in terms of the NBA history. Yeah, yeah. Just for me. And and so I remember that season. It was 05. Who did we lose to in the playoffs? I'm trying to think. Lakers. Yeah, we lost to the Lakers. Lakers, yeah. Lakers or Spurs. Yeah, it was it was the Lakers, and so. And, but I just, I was like, there was just something about the Nuggets that I was like, okay. And for me, I just fell in love with uh, my, who got me in love with basketball was Melo and Iverson. And so those two is why I love basketball today. I mean, they didn't play any defense, but the way they could score the ball. And so it's just back then, I was just, I just, I guess I just became Americanized where scoring is all I cared about. Yeah. It it's the, very attractive. Like, it, it wasn't me. It's super. I was never gonna be them, but like I was like, they're cool. Uh, I, I was more of the lunch pail. I'm play some defense, get you some rebounds, guy. But that's okay. Yeah, no, that's what I became you know, when I was basketball too. I was a defensive guy. I kind of became like Dante Jones. I just lock up, lock up the opposing player. Uh, just get get the hustle, like like uh, like Vanderbilt, rebounds, steals. That, that was my thing. I was never an offensive guy. I was just a defensive guy. So it was just like when I started playing basketball, I understood the importance of defense. It was an all offense. Offense is, is glamorous, right? It looks good. Get and you paid. It's fun, right? Yeah. So, but that's how I fell in love with the Nuggets. And ever since, it's just, I've been a Nuggets fan. And my favorite season for me, beside 2020, was 09 when we, when we got Chauncey. Mm-hmm. And then we just started to see the switch in the team. And I was like, I, I was for sure, I thought we were going to win the championship that season. Like, for sure, for me, I was like, this Nuggets team is going to win the championship in that 09 season. And then Kobe Bryant happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like those pesky Lakers. I'm still pissed about that game three when he went off in that fourth quarter. Because yeah, at the lead and he just went bananas in that game three in 09. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think I was at that game three, unfortunately. You were at the game. Oh, you were. Oh my God. 
Yeah, was, I was up in the rafters, and Kobe just did whatever he wanted. It was he he quieted us a lot. It was mm. the I, I could remember. But I cursed in front of my mom, and my mom was like, "Watch your mouth." <laughs> <laughs> I felt mad about that game. Because you said that that invested. No, I definitely feel you. I thought we were gonna win the championship, man. I literally thought I was like, "This is a every and every indication that I've heard in player interviews from George Carl uh, to players up and down that roster." You know, there was like an air of seriousness that he came with just in his first press conference. Yeah, that I think you know when you're trying to win a championship, that level of maturity, that level of control of, of yourself, you know, I, I think goes a long way in terms of. I don't know, bring your guys along and making them believe in you, believe in each other. Um, I so, just want to go back to Iverson real quick. You know, yeah. I think he's kind of one of the most divisive players in NBA history now because so many people love him and so many people learn the game. Like he was like one of their first favorite players. And he was one right. of my first favorite players too. Some of the stuff he could do was amazing. Now it's like kind of gets picked apart by the stats people. Mm-hmm. But I think one thing that gets forgotten about him is the dude was kind of like the Russell Westbrook of his time in terms of like the guy just plays hard all the time, you know, yeah. knock him for whatever yeah. like play style you want. You could never question his toughness or his effort. And did you know there was like multiple seasons that Iverson played over 40 minutes a game? I think he played yeah. like 42 minutes a game one year, which is insane. Like think about NBA basketball. Now nobody comes close to that you know the pace might be a little fast now but it's still crazy that he's only taken like a few minutes off each half yeah that's what i always respected about iverson he 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 just he's not afraid he has no fear factor that's the thing right. just, unfortunately he was just only six foot if i was six four or six six he would have been one of the best players to ever play the game uh just he was just undersized so defensively he couldn't do anything and that's what killed the Nuggets in the playoffs for that, yeah. you know, those, what, four years and a half we had him here in Denver. It's just, since we would win 50 games, like, every season, but we couldn't do anything in the playoffs because our defense was just, we got killed. It's Once you can target bad. someone, yeah, it's yeah. tough. And I, I think for him, it's, even for a lot of players, it's small. It's hard to age in that in that kind of way, too, where, where you don't have the physical tools that, that make the game that much easier for you uh, when you do lose a step or two. So I kind of feel like as much as AI struggled with that in his career, I, I kind of respect the way he chose to leave the game, too, that he wanted to do it, like, in his way. Yeah. I mean, I think it's we played the game so long for one way you knew it's hard to scale back or it's for your head to take that head, right? It's an ego thing, unfortunately, in a way. It's yeah. like, like when, when you lose a confidence, you lose a confidence, right, in your jump in your jumper. And so it's like the same thing. It's like if they, if they take a seat back and say, oh, well, I'm losing these physical abilities to do the things I used to do, it's almost admitting defeat, right? Mm-hmm. I can see where players come from in that, in that sense. They don't want to admit defeat because once they do, they know they're near the end. Yeah, it's hard to face your mortality in that way, uh, I think, both as a player. And I think when we consider what we're going to do with our time after whatever our passion is, whatever our, you know, what we spend our lives doing, how we what do we do with the rest of our time? <laughs> I think and, that that becomes like an interesting question. And I also think it's, it's a little bit of a bummer how sometimes we boil stuff down too much to did they win a championship or not. I still think the the run he had in one to take his team to the finals was still a really impressive accomplishment. I mean, I don't think that Sixers team had any other all-stars. I mean, they had Matumbo, who was a good player, but, you know, he wasn't like scoring 20 points a game or anything. He was mostly a defensive player. And then he had that incredible game one against the Lakers where they, they stole that game. He had, yeah. you know, the famous step over over Ty Lue. The rest of the series <laughs> wasn't close, but but I just think I still put Iverson in the same category of guys as like Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, Reggie Miller, guys that, you know, led their franchises to the finals and then just ended up running into even more all-time great players. So, yeah, you know, winning's hard and there's no shame in, in losing in the finals. So I think Iverson, you know, Definitely a Hall of Famer, never won, but but he he uh, 
he opened the game of basketball to a lot of people. Yeah, no, for, for sure. sure, for sure. And that 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 one run was incredible. I mean, the things he did on the way to getting getting there was was amazing. And that I mean, he beat Reggie Miller, he beat Vince Carter to get there, and so it was just it wasn't easy in any shape or form. Yeah, the East was weak in comparison to the West, but these he still beat all times, you know, Hall of Famers to get there. Yeah, and I, I think um, it's. I wonder if if he was in the league today, I wonder how he would do. Just because of the way the late, like the league is legislated differently, um, the way it kind of encourages offense in the way that it does, I, oh, yeah, I can't Prime imagine it wouldn't. He would destroy yeah. people. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we we've, we've had guys I, come in the uh, league since then. You yeah. know, I, I think it. You know, for example had that great runs. I mean, smaller players, Steph, Trey Young. Uh, I can't imagine he wouldn't be up there with, with some of the greats in terms and how even better numbers. How many threes could he have taken a game? Uh, well, Iverson was game. elite at drawing fouls in his era where there That's was right. no physical contact. So, yeah. yeah, he's like, to me, Iverson is a much better player than Trey Young. I don't care what anybody says. Like, if you didn't get to watch Iverson, you need to go back and watch. I mean, Trey Young's a good player. But to me, it's not a comparison, and I don't care how good Trey, Trey Young's numbers are. Like he wasn't doing the things Iverson was doing. Yeah, not yet. No, no, no exactly. You can't even compare that. No, Iverson, Iverson would legit average thirty points a game in today's and game. You had no one else to focus on. And yeah, he would still do it. Based off of his quickness, well, his first step is the is a killer, and he might now, be a top five all time confidence player like didn't he cross over jordan his rookie year <laughs> yeah. yep yep hit the j and in, in, in his face <laughs> yeah yeah you definitely love to see it you love to see it i mean even in that finals too he took it to the paint hit a floater over shaq and shaq gave him like just an elbow he took it and just got back up went the other way and went straight back at like at shaq in that game one he just kept going at shaq it's like I don't care how big you are. I know you're gonna basically you're physically gonna beat me up, but I'm but still I'm gonna, gonna keep coming. Yeah. yeah, I have a lot of respect for that, and I think tonight's game kind of uh, maybe not exactly emblematic of that, but I think a very contentious. I'm gonna say gritty, if not uh, at times ugly game. Yeah. Uh, in terms of you know the Nuggets start out hot, and I thought we were kind of in line for maybe a blowout. I, I think that. The the Mason Plumley Russell Westbrook combo, uh, not a big not a big winner for the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, I'm not I'm not feeling that in in their future. I don't think they go to that too many times down the stretch. But where I really for feel Westbrook? like they made it a game, yeah, just just Russ Mason Plumley, not a bunch of spacing between those two, and I think it's hard for them to navigate that as a team. Offensively. Actually, yeah. right, but, but before before you get too deep in the nitty gritty, there, I actually have a non uh, X's nose comment on what turned this game around for the Clippers. Somewhere early in the second quarter, they discovered their pride. Did you notice that? Yeah, I mean, they kind of did. They were like, "Oh crap, we're getting our ass kicked <laughs> by this big, slow, lumbering Serbian man again." We have two max players, and we have the deepest roster in the NBA, as everybody likes to tell us. Maybe we should try to beat these guys. Yeah, I think they look at Jamal. They look at, you know, Michael Porter as well, him being involved in his position in the draft and how that whole thing went out, went down. It's, it's, it's tough, I think, for them to watch Denver succeed, you know, in front of them like that. Yeah, surprisingly, you know who gave them the spark? It was Bones. It was Bones that gave them the spark. That <laughs> I think so. I was yeah, gonna get he's to like that. one of the most I, confident players on that team now. <laughs> it was Bones that gave them the spark. I was like, oh, man, crap. But whatever. I was like, the, the thing when Bones was in, the Nuggets didn't do. I'm like, attack him. Eat him alive. You, you know he's their weakest defender. Just, just hunt him. Just hunt Bone off the floor. They didn't do that until later in the game where – in the fourth quarter when Bones, they took Bones out uh, because the Nuggets were doing the right thing. They were hunting Bones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, they, I felt like, I mean, Peter, do you feel like Bones, how, how would you judge Bones' night overall? 
Good game, bad game, sad. Yeah, I mean, happy. I thought he had he had a lot of confidence and he played pretty well in the first half. Got booed a little bit. A it seems bit. like he didn't. It seems like he wasn't as involved in the second half. I didn't really remember if he didn't get as many minutes or if he just didn't get the touches. But you know, it Dow makes an interesting point in terms of uh, targeting him. I've been thinking about this a lot, Ray. I don't think the Nuggets really have the roster to target mismatches in that way, the way that some teams do. I mean, our best one-on-one player, like from a perimeter skill aspect, is Murray. And he's okay. Like, he's got a lot of moves, but he's not a, I'm just going to cook this guy every time type player. Um, You know, Porter and KCP, they're definitely not one-on-one players. Gordon, he's much more of a finisher as well. So I think think if you're going to get a mismatch on Bones, it's more about, do you get a bigger guy like Gordon or Jokic switched onto him and then, you know, be able to get inside on him. But if that were to happen, I think the Clippers would realize quickly, like, uh Oh, we better scramble. So I think a lot of times when, you know, there's like, there's a, there's layers, right? There's layers of like how bad your worst defender is because sometimes mm-hmm. it's like the coach will say, okay, we'll gamble. We'll let him try it. But when the guy's that bad, they just help immediately. So it's not even all that much of a weakness. It's just, we're going to be in scramble mode. Yeah, yeah. You, you made a great point there. And I think Murray is our, is that guy when it comes to targeting a weakness in the defense, especially when he's on. I'm like, when Murray is on, I'm just like, just get out the way and just let him cook. Let him do his thing because he's feeling it. It's when he's off, that's when you kind of see the downside of Murray uh, t- when it comes to targeting an offense because he just, he just takes shots that, I'm like, Murray, I know you're confident, but like today, it's just, I would I would say Murray game was an okay game. He took some shots that was just not in the rhythm of the game at all. It's just he wasn't reading the game really well. It's, it was Porter or KCP were open on the corner. Instead of passing it, he just took that shot. And I was like, I know you're confident, yeah. but just make the just make the better basketball play here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for you sure. Know I mean, for me. hey, I didn't yeah, want to steal your thunder, but I I kind of felt like tonight, like Bones was like, I mean, uh, Jamal was was playing his own game times yeah 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 it's just jamal had some great moments where he made some really tough shots and i really appreciate that and it's beautiful to watch it's beautiful to see i'm happy to see him enjoy the game and get him to his own bag at the same time the through line of this sort of this early stretch and maybe in over the past few games for me is especially while in the moments that he's not quote-unquote on I'd like to see his control of the game just be better. Uh, finding the, the right guys at the right times, making better decisions with the ball, finding playing for better quality looks. I think uh, it, it's tough because he is a great scorer and I want to give him his space to be that and to do that. But at the same time, he's the Denver Nuggets point guard. So everything that goes, everything that happens out there on the court has to go through him as a filter and it's up to him, you know, how often he calls his own number, how often he gets the center of the ball, how often he call, gets other people involved. Um, and I think why Denver won the game, frankly, is like in once we got into that overtime stretch, even though Jamal was tired, I think he made some great decisions as far as getting Mike the ball on that open three, mm-hmm. um, finding KCP across the court, that sort of thing. And just shooting the ball when he was open, just being shot ready when the Clippers were sagging off of him. And I think those just a few strings of plays put Denver well out of reach of whatever the Clippers were trying to do. Yeah, it's definitely a balance. And I think for me, my favorite version of Jamal Murray is when he's aggressive, but also a willing passer. And the bubble, when he was aggressive, looking for his shots, but also passing when the double team comes or when he knows he doesn't have his man's beat. He just makes a great read. That is my favorite version because it's, he's still a scorer, but he's still, at the end of the day, a point guard and get the team involved. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that nails it on the head. That's that's what I hope for him, that he can find that balance, that he can uh, stay in rhythm as a scorer and just keep in mind that him leading a unit, whether that's when Jokic is on the court or not, is that he can leverage that to find, you know, help other players and, and uh, make everyone around him better too. So, yeah, you know what's strange is 
there's there's so many different um really great point guards in the league um and they all have a different slightly different way of, of making their impact on the game and you know after a while guys get labeled as you know winners or not or selfish or not and i think i always think about a guy like drew holiday who i don't feel like really gets brought up when they talk about like top five guards you know mm-hmm. but he's a champion now because he was identified as like he's, he's gonna really fit really well with the bucks and he's a guy to me that like sometimes the shot's on, but when it's not on, he still does the other phases of the game really well. And, you know, he's, I honestly think he might be the most well-rounded point guard in the league in terms of just like two-way player. Um, not saying I take him like number one, he's the best, but I'm just saying best two-way. I think um, he's the best player in my opinion. It's just, yeah, he's- and, and that's a fair, that's a fair opinion. Cause yeah, a guy like Kyrie definitely has better handles, but then he's just given up two points right at the other end. I think with Jamal, Malone has talked about this, right? Like early in Jamal's career, the first thing he wanted to do was prove that he could score. I feel like that's how most young players are wired. And he's like, Jamal's got to get better at the other parts of the game, the passing, the rebounding, you know, fighting through screens, all that stuff. And and Jamal has gotten better at that. And so I know that even when he's not shooting well, I can count on him to, to, you know, play tough D and, and get rebounds and all that stuff. But then he also still reverts back to, like, after, like, Mike is hitting shots or Jokic is having a good stretch. He's like, he wants to remind everybody, hey, I'm Jamal Murray, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So it's funny to me because it's, like, it's that fine line, right, of, like, because he has the confidence he does, that's why he's as good as he is and he's in the NBA. But also sometimes it's, like, he doesn't always read the room the best out of our starters, which is kind of funny because I feel like the biggest complaint we always had about Porter was this guy just has tunnel vision, doesn't see the floor at all, and just shoots every time he gets it. And now I feel like he actually makes less mistakes late, uh, lately than Jamal has been making. Yeah. he's He keeps his game simple. Even when it's the volume increases, he still, like, for the most part, he catches the ball, he's shooting or passing or driving. Right. And that's it. I, I feel like it's rare that we see him get the ball, hesitate, think about what to do, take a couple yeah. of dribbles, go to an escape move for his own shot. Yeah, he doesn't take nearly as many bad shots as he used to. He doesn't even get the ball that often. And yeah, he's okay with it. <laughs> and, and the thing, too, I, I think, just to add to the Jamal point, thank yeah. God allergic not to pa- not passing to Porter anymore. Because, man... I look back there at the beginning of the season where he would just completely was tunnel vision, just straight to the rim. It makes you wonder, like, oh, like, is there something going on? Like, is there a personal thing? But, it's... but not anymore. I think I think I think Jamal realizes is for them to get to the mountaintop, they need to feed Porter because Porter is just he just completely he's he changes everything for this team. Yoke is yoke. He's gonna do his thing. He's gonna do his thing. He's gonna give you 40 points if he needs to. But Porter is, is that icing on top of the cake. It's just he raises this team level to it's just something incredible. Like, like I just even in the bubble, as good as we were, if we had this version of Porter in that bubble, we beat the Lakers. Yeah, because he's so much more consistent. Yeah, he's so that's much a, more ready. How take? And no, he's so I, much. I, I think we beat the Lakers, and and that that, that Laker team was that it was not as much talent. He, it was not that much better than us. It's just we made a mistake in that game, too. That game, too. We win that game, it changes the course of that series. We don't lose in five. Maybe. We lose that in seven. If that game, too, buzzer beater does not happen by Anthony Davis. Yeah, I, it did I just hurt. feel like we didn't really have enough size. But, uh, Ray, you know. We did. Just we're, we're approaching one o'clock here. Mason Plumley. <laughs> we're, was- we're approaching one o'clock here in New Orleans, so forgive me if this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I got a football analogy for you. So, You're good. Uh, you know, okay. Talking about Porter just now and like how he's cleaned up his game a little bit and takes less bad shots. I feel like sometimes he was taking bad shots early in his career. Cause he was put in bad position. I think I talked about this actually a few years ago, how like it would really piss me off that they would finally give Porter the ball. They would give him grenades basically. But then I like, mm-hmm was reading more recently, there was like actually an article that came out that said like, that's like kind of the thing in the NBA is they always give grenades to rookies. So it's like, it's not like they're picking on just Porter, 
but it kind of makes me think like you know how sometimes you have a big play and linemen are like hustling to get down so that they don't you know lose the five yards for the play clock and then the first play like once just like a big handoff nowhere up the middle i think order it's like he's a running back that just gets stuck with the play that's not going to go anywhere but then now they've simplified the playbook and they only give him plays that are actually going to go somewhere yeah but even though the nuggets were throwing him those grenades he was still making 40 percent on his threes just think about that he's still hitting them grenades <laughs> on occasion yeah i, I do think the game he's like oh easier there's than... nothing up the middle well let me bounce it outside yeah mm-hmm and when you're 610 i think that just is is always going to be an option for you that that you don't need this is anything too complicated or too fancy to get your shot and so um him you know staggering with the bench tonight i thought that wasn't such a bad thing for him to get a few extra looks where you know is he wide open not necessarily but i think compared to some of the looks that we have been getting um to i mean tie back into I don't want to get too deep into the Clippers, the, the Cavaliers, the Grizzlies games, but the bench unit in those games, not looking great. Was not looking great. Um, Terrible yesterday. I turned out to survive. 1-1. One, one. <laughs> I'll take yeah, that road trip any day. Cleveland, Memphis, you pull that one out in Cleveland, that's a big win. Yeah. The, the wins, I will take the wins. Um, I thought the Cleveland game was great. I do feel like... Cleveland did a great job of like dominating the bench. They scored 30, outscored us 38 to 68 in, in the paint. I think that's, you know, something to be said for that. Uh, but, but I think as they figure out how to function, you know, between Reggie, between Thomas, maybe finding who the right starter is to play with that unit and keep them afloat. Uh, I'm curious, Dow, how do you, think about that in terms of you know they played a lot with jamal they've played some with mike um yeah. sometimes it's contavious Cobalt pelt who do you feel like is there an answer there that that you are most comfortable with yeah for me i think my biggest issue i have right now is malone playing the three guard lineup and i'm like that's just too small you, you mm -hmm. have to play uh christian brown uh i think you have to play christian brown it's he's just he has the length he has the wing and he can shoot the three and he just he makes i get it he's a rookie but he makes the right basketball play at the end of the day and so i think you just have to play him you just can come you can't give him you know ddp day in and days like games in and game out it's just like you're gonna need this guy i just have a feeling we're gonna need him in the postseason it's just in the most critical time he needs these playing times yeah, I get it. He makes mistakes there and there. He's a rookie, understandably so. But I think you have to play Christian Brown. You have to, uh, with the bench. For me, I would play, I would do uh, Reggie, uh, Bruce Brown, Christian, uh, Vladko, and then and then do Thomas Bryant. That's my bench. If you need to stagger, I don't want them to stagger Murray. I want Murray to be healthy. I want them to stagger AG, KCP. Or Porter, like we saw tonight. That's just close. Peter, I'll throw it to you. Do you kind of line up with that, or do you feel like is Jamal something that Jamal with the bench unit something that we should stick to? Uh, not not full time, but we should still be considering. You know, I think I'm just gonna have to keep watching and get a little more sample size with Reggie Jackson because I like Jackson. Like, see. The big difference between Jackson and Brown is that Brown knows his role, but mm -hmm. Jackson is a more offensively, and he can he can make nothing he can make something out of nothing, right? So Brown has a very narrow skill set and is not going to take dumb stuff. But the, there's too many stretches when Brown plays when um, the offense just can't do anything. And I know Reggie's gonna he's gonna take a few bad shots. He's gonna miss some easy ones, but he's also gonna make some hard ones. He had that really big three-pointer in the corner yeah. uh, for Murray tonight. You know, that was a huge play. And uh, so the thing that I noticed about him is he's still got his confidence. I mean, I remember when he was a sixth man in OKC earlier in his career, he had some really big playoff games for them. Um, you guys probably won't remember this, but he had like a game in Memphis where Russell Westbrook and Durant didn't really play well at all, and he had like 30 points, and they stole a win on the road. Um, 
I don't think he's that player anymore, but he's still got the, you know, as you guys know, NBA players, they still have the confidence of like when they were in their prime. So I think he can have a big playoff moment for us. Uh, I just don't think Christian Brown fits into the rotation right now, unfortunately. Uh, I just don't think he just hasn't, he just hasn't earned it yet. He hasn't cracked through. I mean, I do like his minutes in there, but it's just kind of a numbers game. Uh, in terms of the stagger, Ray, it's just like they're going to have to make it work because I just don't think Malone trusts the rest of the guys enough to have all bench guys out there. And that's just usually just not what teams do anyway. So he's going to keep tinkering with it and he's going to have to, he's going to have to figure out like who can sub in early and maximize the starters and then who's going to play best around Jamal and then whoever he staggers, I guess it's been KCP lately mm-hmm. um, with the bench. Yeah. I just don't like the stagger with Jamal and Bruce Brown and Reggie. It's just, it's, it's all too small. Right. Those three is just too small. Here's yeah. something I was thinking about today. I mean, cause why there were stretches of those three being out there and you just various sort of three guard lineups featuring Jamal is how much of that is a part of needing more playmaking on the floor just because Jamal struggles with that at times. Because we talked about it, well, the way Jamal decides certain things that um, in the past he's felt the most comfortable and looked the most comfortable next to another guard, next to a point guard. I wonder how much of the three guard lineups, because I, I agree to the extent that it is really small. <laughs> they do lose out on a lot of, even when they execute well, even when they are making their rotations, just tough rebounds that they don't get because a little smaller than they need to be uh, challenging shots that they are there for, but aren't necessarily long enough for things like that. Of course there are drawbacks, but I wonder if just that, that like playmaking support is, is something that Jamal is dependent on right now in, in a way that maybe we're not thinking of. Yeah, no, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. I think I think that's that I think that's the same thing Malone is thinking is that playmaking and shot creation that Jamal bring that you know only I would say now Reggie had Reggie has it in in in, in the bench uh Bruce Brown Bruce Brown sometimes struggles with ball handling he's, he's quick like he can but, dribble but yeah. sometimes he gets into things that I think about the pick and roll yeah in particular in in their control each individual player's control in that context one of the things that I did not love about the Cavs game, about the Grizzlies game, is that it is watching uh, whoever is running that pick and roll not get Thomas Bryant the ball. You know, on, on the roll in the half court, I think Bruce in particular tends to go to uh, when he's challenged physically, when he's challenged as a ball handler, tends to go, let me get downhill, let me get to my floater. And I think that can work and it's great when he hits that. But I, I also feel like, you know, you can go back uh, and look at the, some of the box scores just in terms of how many shot attempts Thomas Bryant is getting in, in these games that, you know, three attempts versus Cleveland. Um, just It's not what I would like to see if you're going to go out and get a center like Thomas Bryant who does have pretty good touch around the rim, who can go vertical on occasion i would like to see someone with a little bit more patience with a little bit more strength with the ball um who's thinking about how can i put him in a position to succeed because that's going to make my job easier and the whole bench's job easier just in terms of their ability to score yeah reggie reggie had two great pick and roll play today mm-hmm. uh, those lobs yes i was yes. great right there i was he, excited to see that he read it perfectly well he was patient he didn't go to his shot right away, and he was able to penetrate and just throw it up. Yeah, and to your point, Peter, I mean, we are kind of, this is the third game, I, I think, with a fully, with having Reggie, with having Thomas Bryant together. So I, I don't want to judge the bench too harshly for that either, because I do think there's, over time, you know, five games from now, ten games from now, we might find that they know that they're confident in each other and where they're going to be and that sort of thing. So the pick and roll might be something they're a lot more comfortable with down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, I love Bruce Brown as a player. 
I hate when he has to play point guard. And so I think bringing Reggie in was just like great insurance for that. And so yeah. now it just gives Malone more options. You know, there'll be, there'll be games, the playoffs where he can go to Reggie and there'll be games where if he's like, ah, Reggie isn't, I don't like him out there for the defense. You know, we can have Jamal and then play big or whatever they decide to do. So he's just got more options now. But, you know, I was just thinking about out of all the guards on a roster, Reggie's probably the guy that's the quickest now, right? Like he's probably the guy that can break down the defense the best out of anybody because Jamal, it's still a lot of like side to side step back stuff. He's not really blown by people the way he was in the bubble yet. Yeah. Yeah. I would say he's the closest to being an offensive engine in the sense that not just his own shot, but getting into the paint, creating for others, um, leveraging his quickness. I think that's something that he's done really well, uh, both in his career and as long as he's responsible about how he uses that power, I think in Denver, you know, he should be good at that. Yeah. So, and I also yeah. think, Reggie, you know, him just getting here, a couple weeks not just to get used to the players but get used to the altitude too you know he grew up there so he knows what it's like but he also knows that he can use it to his advantage and i've noticed that he's been pretty good about pushing the ball um i think he does it a little bit better than bones did i think bones would kind of like get the ball and look up and if there's a pass ahead he would see it but a lot of times he would kind of slow it up and wait to get in the half court to make his move i think reggie's been pushing the ball a little bit more the way uh, Bruce Brown does and definitely KCP. He's he's like the underrated guy even because he doesn't have the ball a lot, but every time the possession changes, KCP is sprinting to that corner. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, Bruce is the quickest guard on, on the team right now. And I, th I think he's the second best ball handler behind Jamal for me is uh, Reggie uh, now on the, on the team. Uh, Bruce Brown is really good. He's a really Jokic player. He's so great with Jokic. Even when Aaron Gordon fouled out and Bruce Brown came in, I knew it was going to work because he, he just he plays so well off of Jokic. It's like mm -hmm. it's 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 awesome. Uh, but it's just like you remove Jokic, it just it changes the whole dynamic of of his game. He's a great utility player for Jokic in the way that right. you know he, Bruce is still a great cutter. He's so fast. He has that vertical. Uh, he's very consistent on his outlet shots. That. I mean, I, I almost think of it like Peyton Manning, where he's a great just sort of uh, utility player for him out of the backfield or out wide or wherever you want to put him. Bruce Brown can kind of leverage himself well off of Jokic's talent. But, you know, you, some of those you know players, you took away if, Peyton if you Manning. Could like, if you could build a player in a lab and it's like, but we're only going to give you the tools of, you know, a mid-level player. Mm -hmm. Bruce has – he has two things that go great with Jokic. He has energy and he has IQ, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know how many players like that Jokic has really had in his career because if, if you think about the beginning, right, he's got Fareed who's got great energy, but yeah. Fareed didn't really have top-notch IQ. Now he's got a guy like Chanchar who we, we love to talk about how great his IQ is, but he doesn't really have like the I'm going to sprint and beat everybody down the floor – you know, like you couldn't put him in the dunker and expect the same like high flying alley oops that you would from Kenneth. Yeah, right. And so, so Bruce Brown is like the best of both worlds because he's getting so many easy layups on back cuts. But then there's also these plays when if Jokic has the ball, like you know, kind of more on the wing, Bruce will cut to the middle, get the ball, and like dunk it on somebody. Or that one play day, he didn't get a dunk, but he got fouled because he was about to dunk. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's is. So I feel really confident in the team overall. And, and I think, sounded to what you were saying earlier, they have so many options. You know, you, Christian Brown's not playing right now, but I do think he remains an option for them. Um, the only the only thing that smarts for me right now is that they're missing Zeke Nagy, where I feel like having him involved would really round out their roster in, in terms of, you know, tonight, having AG kind of, he's healthy, but he's not healthy. He's kind of going through some stuff. Um, that moment when NPJ rolled the ankle and moments where, okay, so now you've got Flacco and who else? You know, I, I don't know if they're going to go to, if, do they trust Jack White? I would be open to seeing how no. that looks. No. I, yeah, it's, it's okay. I, I feel you, but it's February. Yeah. It's, but it's, it's still January. It's still February. It's still early. Oh, you're that saying I'm not, 
steal regular season minutes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying Jack White, playoff player, but on a night like this, you know, you got guys hurt. Do you need them to play through stuff? Can you get by on like a few minutes with somebody else who's just going to do their job? I think Jack White can do that. Yeah. I, I actually wanted I, to talk about uh, AG real quick. Um, sure. You, um, I know it's just a one game sample size, mm-hmm. but. Kawhi Leonard had a really good game. That was like the first time we've played the Clippers when Kawhi and AG have both played, and I felt like Kawhi didn't even feel him at all. Granted, Kawhi did do a lot of his damage against other players. I know Murray was switched on to a lot, but I just wanted to uh, ask what you saw, Ray. Did you feel like uh, Kawhi had figured him out, or you just think that maybe AG is still dealing with something and isn't like a hundred percent right now. And that's why he wasn't able to be as effective against Kawhi's we've seen him be really effective against Kawhi in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think for me, he wasn't physical the way he, he used, he usually is with Kawhi. It's just that that's the, it was missing when it came to his defense today, his defense today. He was, he was just uh, in a way like freelancing against Kawhi. He, he didn't take the matchup. I would, I would say personal. Yeah, it's uh, for him, and I and I think it's just he was rusty too. His game was rusty today. Getting back into his, you know, yeah. coming back, it's it's tough. So yeah. I don't know why has figured him out. I don't think so. I just think AG was just rusty today. Uh, on his best night, I'll I mean I'll take him against Kawhi because he's just as strong as Kawhi, and Kawhi can't push him around the way Kawhi pushes Jamal around. For example, KCP. Right. I don't think there are a few better options in the league than than Aaron Gordon. Uh, and, and to kind of go back to like a similar point, I think it's another case where like having Zeke Naji would be really nice, not just because, you know, Zeke's going to be the first option on him. But when you have to go to like option three, option four, and now all of a sudden option three and option four is like Bruce Brown and Jamal Murray versus now you have to switch. Now you got off of AG and on your own Mike, and you got off of Mike and you're on Blocko, and you got off of Blocko and you're on Zeke. I think that's a different level of challenge for him just in terms of how he can get comfortable and get going. Because to your point, I really thought he got going when we did go to the three-guard lineups and when he was able to kind of pick and choose his matchups and just shoot over the top of guys. I mean, not that Blocko did a bad job even, but I, I think even for him, there are moments where, you know, he might be in position, but, you know, now none of them in my bag and comfortable. I can just, I'm just going to hit the shot over you. Yeah. And I think it's, it's too hard to get him to slow down once you give him those easy shots. And I think Kawhi gained his rhythm with that three guard lineup out there. That's where he, mm-hmm. he caught that fire. Yeah. And put AG back on him. It's once a player is in a rhythm, he's in a rhythm. <laughs> Nothing. It's really. not fair. It's not fair yeah. to set him yeah. up like that. Put AG back on him. He's already in the rhythm. And so people are going to look at the statue and be like, oh, AG was cooked. Yeah, there were a few, few possessions there where Kawhi did cook AG, but it wasn't. he didn't cook AG for 30, 33 points, all of his 33 points tonight. Right. But I want to see one more game uh, of Kawhi and a healthy AG and see mm-hmm. that make that judgment and say the okay, fun cool. matchup. Yeah, I think so too. You know, uh, the rib injuries, I feel like they're tough. It, yeah. It's one of those things that you feel okay. And then you take a few hits and you, it's how you breathe. Especially being down there too with rebounding in mm-hmm. the, oh, the way know, he plays, there, you know, all the dirty stuff happened under, underneath the basket. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and the point was Zeke too. Zeke would be so useful. The problem, he's always hurt at the time of the year. Always. It's always like at the end of the year where he loses his spot on the rotation. So it's February or March. It's just, I just want Zeke to be healthy for a whole season. And then yeah. last, last year, he was just hurt at the wrong time when he was playing so well. He was shooting the ball so well with so much confidence. He was shooting over 40% from the three. It's just his shot was there. His rebounding was starting to come around. And then he got hurt. And I'm like, man. Mm-hmm. One of the things I actually I wouldn't mind my closing out on this or maybe a couple of things that you guys hadn't think you wanted to touch on was that uh, I saw a tweet today about Calvin Booth and his thoughts on Zeke Naji. And basically his thoughts are that 
he doesn't view Zeke as a as a five going forward, like at all. And that kind of excites me, <laughs> just because I, I'm happy. I was happy with the way he approached the challenge of, of playing center in the NBA. Like he brought the right energy, he brought the right mentality to it. But at the same time, I don't know if it's the healthiest thing for him, just in terms of the the, the punishment that you take playing that position. Uh, being matched up with some of the guys you're going to get matched up with. I, I wonder if uh, maybe you guys have had some experience of this with, with this personally, but just carrying more weight, it's a little bit tougher on your joints. It's a little bit tougher on your knees, you know, things like that. Um, I would love to see, I'd be interested in maybe just him slimming down a little bit more. And if that helps him along with like a lighter workload, you know, being paired more with other bigs throughout the year, if that keeps him healthy, if that gives him a little bit more of a shot at come February, come March, come April, that he can come down the stretch and be the person that that we want him to be, who is like a 40 plus percent three point shooter who plays elite perimeter defense at 610. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the weight is is definitely a factor because, you know, in football, this happens all the time. Guys put mm -hmm. on weight and then they get hurt. It's not just because they're running into each other. Like it's your joints. Bulk up. Yeah. You're you're you can only add muscle at a certain rate. And then like your ligaments might not grow as fast as your muscles. So they got to catch up. And yeah, it's it's more work for your body. But yeah, I think Zeke, you know, he's coming into the NBA to, in an interesting time, right? Because the whole trend of everything is like, oh, you got to be smaller and quicker and be able to guard guards and switch and, and space and all this stuff. And Zeke can do that. But it's all a trade-off. Okay, but how much does that affect your rebounding, right? I mean, like the ultimate example today of like, Bam Adebayo is in the perfect era for him. He's a great defender. He can, he can hang with most bigs and he can switch out on the perimeter. But, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day and they were pointing out, it's like, yeah, this guy gets cooked by Jokic and Embiid every time. So does every other big. But guess what? If you go put Bam like in the 90s and he's playing against Ewing and Hakeem and David Robinson and Shaq every night, he wouldn't be a starting center because mm -hmm. he's too small. So Zeke is like, yeah, he really shouldn't be he playing the five. He might be a starting four. Yeah, he shouldn't. So Zeke shouldn't be playing the five because he's usually just getting dominated. And, and not only is it bad for the team, but it's bad for his health. So mm -hmm. I'm glad that Calvin was like, this guy's a good player, but if we keep putting him in the wrong position, he's going to get hurt or worn down the same way Will Barton and P.J. Dozier did. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think Calvin Booth is just – he has a vision of how to build a team, and that's what I like about him. It's just he identifies yeah. the weakness or a strength and say, okay. He sees things just – it's just he's a realist, and, and that's the thing. That's what I like about him. You know, uh, Tim Conley was the opposite. Tim Conley is just – he's an optimist, and he – he sometimes he dreams, and I like that about Tim Conley. That's what guy. I appreciated it too. You know, that's what got us Jokic, Jokic, uh, and so we would never got Jokic if it if it was unfortunately if it was uh, if it was uh, Booth because Booth is just like he sees things just. It's just it's, How many people would give him that opportunity? Of, yeah, you were just kind of like a slow, kind of unathletic white guy from, and you can't play defense. Like, so that's the thing. That's that. That's where they differ, uh, but. With Booth, he's just he sees things from a simple term, and so as Zeke, Zeke is a four, and we need him to play the perimeter. It's just uh, as perimeter is our weakness, and that's where that's that's where we get the tag. You know, Nuggets can't play defense. You know, people still saying, "Oh, the West is wide open," even though we, we're literally six games better than everybody else on top of the West because quote unquote we can't play defense. So I like that uh, Tyler Booth made that decision because. It just simplifies everybody's role. It's just you know your place on the team. It's just yeah, you're, you're yeah. four, and you're going to play defense, and you're going to you're going to shoot threes. You're just a four and D guy. I like it. That's how it <laughs> yeah. Be. yeah, yeah. I like I like Zeke's fit when they when they play big. When he's either at the three or the four, it's a good lineup for him. Um, it's funny you bring up Tim Conley. It's like I'm gonna make a cooking analogy, Ray. It's like okay. Tim Conley brings you. The finest ingredients, right? He's a scout by trade, so he's he's great at drafting, and he's great at going around the world and picking up all the ingredients that are just like the highest quality. But then we say, "All right, Tim, now you need to put everything together and make me a great meal." He doesn't know how to like prepare it all together, you know. So it's like 
he was good at the first step, like the first part of GMing, which is drafting the players that are good, but he doesn't always draft the players we need. So it, it's kind of a tricky situation because I think that gets brought up with fans all the time. It's like, well, should you draft for a fit or should you draft for need? And it's like, oh, you always take the best player. And I think Conley did always do that, in his opinion. I mean, yeah. Leiden pick, not winning. Wasn't but, always uh, Malone's opinion. <laughs> right. So so when you draft the best player, that's usually good for your franchise. But, you know, sometimes when you have seven guards and one forward, that's a problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm pretty optimistic overall. You know, this week, okay, they lost the game, but – I think for me, where I want to see the, the game in Cleveland was amazing. I, I mm-hmm. loved how they executed right there. And that was a, a great Porter game, too. That's the thing. Yeah. That's, Porter, Porter played a, an amazing game that game. That, that was a mediocre game by, by the Joker. It was a mediocre game by Jokic uh, and, and Murray, too. Uh, but it was a great Porter game. I just want has to be more consistent on the road. We shouldn't be 15 and 15. Like for me, that's it's that's that's an issue I have because you're gonna have to win some games on the road in the playoffs. Yeah, I, and being I, able to shake off that like the, the pressure. Road, we got to figure it out, and we have a lot of a lot of road games coming up here. It should be a fun experiment. You know, I'm I'm pretty I'm optimistic. You know, that uh, that's the one thing is I can say is all all the things that I am concerned about with the Denver Nuggets, whether it's the you know I think their road record is a good example, or Jamal's basketball IQ. I mean, those are easily fixable things. Those they're not like they need to make big changes or they need to move guys or, or totally change people's roles. I think for the most part, they've got the framework that they need. They just need to find the execution yeah and you know what's funny last year we were great on the road and at home we lost so many we're mediocre we literally would have won 50 i think plus there games. was a lot more of like teams not taking the nuggets seriously last year i think we stole a lot of wins last year mm. we're way yeah. better this year yeah yeah for sure i think i think we tied the franchise record of road wins last year if, if i'm I not mistaken i think we, we exceeded it. it yeah yeah yeah, so that was I was like, it, what happened? What's that switch? Because this year at home, we're just uh, that's the thing. We have home court advantage. Nobody's beating Denver in a seven game series at home with, with a home court advantage. That's it's going to take a lot. Yeah, not. you need to be the best in the league and be perfect, be on yeah. your game in all facets. You got to so. take it from us. Yeah, and that's why I want us to win a couple more games on the road and just have a winning record on the road because. It, it ensure that you have that that home court advantage, and I'm, yeah. I, and, and and it's just like I know we're gonna rest guys there and there, but mm-hmm. but it's just like I, I I still think we can still have the best record overall in basketball. We're we're and too we get some rest in. Boston has their 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 schedule is hard too, so it's coming down here, and so does Milwaukee. So it's not they don't have easy schedules either, and plus they meet a couple more times, so they're gonna beat each other up. So it's like hey. It's just win, win a couple of these games on the road. You put yourself in a great position to have the best record in basketball. <laughs> you know, as they say, the West is wide open, yeah. <laughs> including for the Denver Nuggets. Um, Peter, do you have any, any anything you're looking at to this uh, this next week or maybe even this next month as far as, you know, things you'd like to see? Mostly just more chemistry with the bench, you know, which I'm patient of. I think it'll come. I mean, the bench has been scoring, so at least, you know, they're – I think that I think they're starting to build chemistry in terms of, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. And there's there's some plays that it looks like they know that they're doing the right thing. It might just not always be at the perfect beat. But they did have some good plays to Brian today. You know, he had that one lob. Um, mm-hmm. But w- what I wanted to ask you real quick before we get out of here is Mike was on fire tonight. I, I, we got to we got to acknowledge that like he was he had some big shots. And I think I heard a stat the other day that, like, since he got back from the heel injury, the Nuggets were 15 and two. And this was before yeah. the Memphis game. So now, now we're 16 and three since that point. Yeah. Is Mike playing his best basketball of the year? He is. He is. I think this is the healthiest he's been since his rookie year. His athleticism is coming back. Yeah. I, I yeah. see it. Be able to, when, when the defender closes out on him and be able to drive it into the paint and finish those. I'm like, yeah, he's, this is the healthiest he has ever been. 
since his rookie year. I pretty much, yeah, full agreement there. I, I think having that ability to leverage his three-point shot to get to the rim, I kind of think makes him unguardable, more or less, and especially in the context of being a Denver Nugget. Um, I, I don't see how you defend the Denver Nuggets, and I'm still sticking to my guns that uh, I think Mike's the, mo- the second most talented Nugget. I, 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 so I, I know you brought this up a week or two ago, but I've been thinking about this. I think that if Jamal and MPJ had to switch roles, there's mm-hmm. no way Porter could do a good job of like having the ball in his hand all the time. That would be a disaster. No. And I think Murray would be okay at Porter's role. But Porter is more efficient. Like he's mm-hmm. he's always been more efficient. Yeah, he's been been efficient ever since he was a rookie. Like it's really amazing, like how talented this guy is. Um, At the end of the day, he's so different. It it's hard to it's hard to pick that apart. I mean, I get why you know Deuce can't defend himself right now, but I guess why he thinks (laughs) why he thinks uh, Jamal is more talented. I I still agree. I do think Jamal Jamal has more in his bag, right? I mean, nobody's going to argue that. Like his bag is deeper, but he's not as efficient. So I guess it just kind of comes down to like what flavor do you prefer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it's for me, the analogy I like to use is just Jamal. Jamal is a volcano when he's on. It, 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 <laughs> volcano. Yeah. And and for me, it's the, the Porter is the perfect, he, he's the perfect sniper. It's literally, he he's, that's why he's efficient. He's just, he's that sniper. It, it, you that, don't even notice him. <laughs> yeah. And so that's the thing is the team will ignore him the, a whole quarter and just give him one pass and he'll he'll knock it down. And so it works well because both of them are not volcanoes. Because mm-hmm. if they both were volcanoes, they would clash because they both would need the ball. It would be like Katie and Kyrie. Or- yeah. So it's too redundant. And that's why I, I like what, mean. What, what what Porter does is just now does Porter need to shoot more when he's hot? Absolutely. But I like that he's comfortable in his role. And he's perfectly fine with mm-hmm. getting 15 shots, sometimes 10 shots, when he should be getting 20-plus shots because he's he's shooting 60%, 70% from the field. Yeah, it's nice. It's really nice to have. And, and the way they, they blend with Aaron, the way they blend with KCP, I mean, they have so many complementary strengths and weaknesses, frankly. Like, I think the weaknesses of Jamal Murray that make him rely on Jokic so much are part of why they're so good together. Yep. So this postseason is going to be Porter coming out party. You know why? Because I like it. To do this, teams are going to double the Joker all the time, and Joker is just going to pass it to that weak side, just on the corner, and Porter is going to make them pay every time for doubling. Finals MVP? No, I'm kidding. Not finals MVP. But I'm telling you, that would be Porter, Porter legit just might on like 15, 20 shots, he legit might average 30 points because he's so efficient in this this postseason. And teams so far have been so focused on Jokic in the playoffs of yeah. just like anybody but Jokic, you know? Don't be I could totally see that. 30 points it, 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 in one of these series just because the teams are so, they're just so bent on doubling Jokic. Yeah, so I definitely appreciate that. Um, Dow, it was great having you. We would love to have you back. And uh, we are proud to bring you a show under one hour this week. Uh, if you made it to the end of the show, you are one of our biggest fans and we appreciate you. Um, you can find us, just to reiterate, you can find me online at Rayvon Hackshaw, Peter at BucketSense88, and Dow at Nilotich Valor. Uh, you can also find the show at Four Corner Pod. So, Feel free to give us a shout out if you'd ever like to be on the show. You can also slide in our DMs. They're always open and uh, we're pretty humble. So, yeah. No, thank you guys for having me. Thank you, Ray. And thank you, Peter. And uh, No problem. It's been a pleasure. Always great talking Nuggets uh, with uh, like-minded Nuggets fans. And so hopefully this is the year we get to the mount- to the mountaintop because I'm tired of the disrespect, like Peter said. I'm tired of the disrespect. I think we're all a little tired of the disrespect here in Denver and around Nuggets Nation. So I definitely feel you on that one. All right. As always, go Nuggets, and we will see you next time.